Hi, this is Ann Reckling, and I'm here today with Morgan, who is a 15-year-old girl um, who has mitochondrial disease, and I'm having a chance to talk with her to find out what it's like to be a teenager with mito. And I guess to start with, Morgan, hi. Hi. Um, my first question would be, how does mito affect you? Um, well, I've, my issues include, like, muscles and GI tract and everything, and those are the two main, but also with energy, I fatigue. And so, and you know, when I get fatigued, I, you know, brain fog and can't move, and it, um, also lots of pain. And actually, one of my issues every day is a chronic pain that they can't mm -hmm. really figure out or help, um, but I'd say it affects me in that just that my human my body doesn't work like everybody else's does, even though it looks like it should because I walk around and I'm not in a wheelchair, and so they think, "Oh, Morgan, she's a normal girl she can you know she could try out for sports, she could come play jump rope with us or you know whatever it is, and be you know wouldn't have any reason not to be as good as mm -hmm. ever as anybody else um but the fact is, you know, my body just isn't as strong enough as I would, you know, as the other people's and as I would like it to be sometimes, sometimes more than others. So you don't look sick and other people expect you to be just like a regular teenager? Yes. How, what's that like for you? What, how does it work with your friends and with people that you meet in school? And yeah, well, I'm homeschooled, which... Okay. Um, but I do get out almost every day. I have a scouting program that meets every week and a fine arts academy that I attend also once a week. Okay. And with that fine arts academy, there's a drama club that I do, which meets anywhere from once to three times a week. And then the week of the show, it'll meet every day. Wow. For hours at a time. Wow. Yeah. So. How do you work that? Because that sounds like it takes a lot of energy. Yeah. How I know with my scouting group, right now there's only five girls in the high school, eighth grade level, or unit. Mm -hmm. And so they, most of them understand a little bit because I've known them for quite some time. Um, they understand a little tiny bit. They understand that my body has some sort of energy thing and muscle mm -hmm. thing that they might not see, but they kind of, they they know something's there, but they don't really understand what it is. Okay. But then I know with the fine arts program and the drama club, some of my closer friends know that it's there, but in general, you know, I don't walk around with a sign, hey, I've got <laughs> mitochondrial disease. Because um, that would look really silly for one thing. Right. Um, but people don't. I mean, they just think of me as Morgan, the girl who might not be able to dance as well as everybody else in the okay. big dance number during the musical. Okay. Or something. Or, you know, sh I know I complain that I'm tired. I don't mean to complain, but I say, ah, I'm tired today. And they just kind of, I sometimes wonder, some of them just kind of automatically think, oh, yeah, Morgan's tired a little bit more, but I don't know. Maybe they don't know. Are you thinking that they probably don't know the significance of what it means to be tired for you? Yeah. Yeah. And or when I say, if one of them says, "Yeah, I've got a headache," and I think, "Yeah, my, you know, my hip is hurting or my back is hurting or whatever," 
Um, and I don't think they know really how bad it is, but I don't want to sound like a whiny little brat who just yeah. self who's selfish and wants to talk about herself all the time. Mm-hmm. So, how long how long have you had the symptoms? The symptoms have been noticeable since birth. Um, we didn't know because we were misdiagnosed with something that they were told, you know, wasn't a big deal and that we'd just grow out of until I was 10 years old. So, so you were two? So I was 10. 10, okay. And, oh. and that was when we learned it was something neuromuscular, and that's when the word myopathy pops into the picture. Right, right. And then the metabolic piece, the mitochondrial disease piece, came later? Yeah, like we started to notice that, I mean, we thought that the we'd have symptoms. We'd have, you know, my four brothers and sisters and also my dad have the same mitochondrial disease. Okay. And so for me, you know, I'd always thought that, you know, well, me or one of my brothers or my little sister, we would just kind of get sick out of the blue and we wouldn't really know what caused it. Mm-hmm. We just thought we got GI bugs and ear infections a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the word myopathy started popping into the picture, and then also just between the testing that they did and just, you know, noticing that, yeah, we they might be out of the blue, but, you know, some of those out of the blue might be from because they had a strep infection already or they ran around... Okay. With a with their scouting group. So they, um, they started to connect it. It sounds like to yeah other things that were going on. Okay. What was it like for you to get the diagnosis? Yeah. Well, I know it was, we've only been officially diagnosed with mitochondrial disease within the past year. Um. I know I had a biopsy because. In 2002, that's when I was, um, right before I turned 10, that's when we saw a different doctor who said, ooh, you know, I think this is, you know, this really is something and it's neuromuscular. And I was still so young and didn't really pay attention to the doctors at that point. Uh-huh. I just kind of noticed a lot of extra blood tests and okay. extra testing. Um, and I didn't really think too much about it other than, Another blood test because I've never liked needles because they always have a hard time picking me. But yeah, and then in the fall, I had a muscle biopsy in my arm and my leg. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously before that, my mom kind of explained a little bit about how they think it might be a muscle problem. And I think somewhere in the back of my brain, I realized, yeah, maybe my body really doesn't work quite like everybody else's. Mm-hmm. Because up to that point, I believed my body was normal, and if I just, you know, tried harder, then I'd be a better ballet dancer or be- or a faster swimmer. Okay. Or, you know, whatever it was. Um, And then, you know, maybe I'd be able to go out for sports, because that was one thing I could never really do. Right. Easily so at all. So it sounds like there was a change in your thinking about feeling like, well, if you just tried harder to realizing that it really wasn't about effort, it was about the way your body is. Yeah, and even that that's still a big process, and it's really within the past couple of years that I've realized, yes, yeah, you know, no, I can't go out for sports, 
but that's more because the way my body is and because I didn't try hard enough and in a way that's almost been a relief. Okay. Just because, you know, I sometimes felt, you know, well, if I try, only tried hard enough, I would have been able to stick with the swim team and have been, you might not have always been the last person to finish right. the lap. So you blamed, before you might have blamed yourself for your, sort of your spirit or your yeah. your willingness, your determination, and then this time you have an understanding of, of why and that it's not something that is your fault. It just is. Yeah, but and it's, I know even, you know, back when I was trying it hard, you know, I felt like it was my fault, you know, and I, but at the same time I still felt like I was, you know, giving it my all and trying my best, and so that was harder for me to understand at that point but as the you know as the years have gone by and you know all the diagnoses have been you know if I've heard one diagnosis I've heard a million <laughs> they haven't it's almost in the past year that they said something more than congenital myopathy or metabolic myopathy for sure okay um so it sounds like it's made it a little more clear and less confusing yeah which is kind of a hard to think about a little bit with Mito because it is a little bit confusing too. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like it made your experience more clear of what was going on with your body. Yeah. So besides Mito, I mean what are what are what are your interests? What do you love to do? What you know, what's your Yeah. I know when I was little I loved ballet dancing. Uh huh. But partially because the Mito and the you know, the way it affected my muscles, I wasn't able to keep that up past age 12, and even then, I was always kind of the slow, clumsy dancer. Okay. Um, and I still like to dance, but, you know, I'm not, my body's not quite strong enough to do as much as I would like to. Mm-hmm. But I definitely love to read. Okay. That's something I do quite a lot. And I love, with the drama club, you know, just the acting and the singing and the dancing, even though I think I'm a horrible singer, but... It's still and horrible dancer, but it's still fun to get the learning experience. You have a good time. Mm-hmm. Definitely a good time. How, have you found a way to work around any of the mito symptoms? Have you found a way of like what you need to do to be able to do some of the things you want to do? Yeah, I know. Kind of explaining it to like my 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 scout leader. I went on a camping trip a couple weeks ago and. We had already kind of talked about it some, but my, my mom, especially, and me a little bit, talked to the scout leader, you know, about when I'm tired, it might, you know, I need to eat regularly and everything and drink lots of Gatorade and be sure to get rest, you know, and everything. So I think that's definitely, or even one thing that was kind of, we were all going to be sleeping on sleeping bags. Mm-hmm. And... Because of the room in the tent and the room in the car, and it turns out the tent was huge, but <laughs> the space in your in the actual car was not big, so she didn't really want people to be bringing foam mats or air mattresses or anything. And oh. my thing was, I already hurt pretty bad every day, oh. you know, and for no particular reason that we can find. And so, if we, you know, if I go sleep on hard ground for two nights. Then I'm, you know, and not, and you know, maybe taking a hike and going fishing during the day, which turns out we didn't do because it rained the entire time. But, you know, the, 
I would be a lot more sore than if I slept on the air mattress. I mean, yeah. I'd definitely be more sore sleeping on the ground than I would Yeah. on the air mattress. And so my mom talked to her and ended up bringing the air mattress, and that ended up being okay. So. Good, good. So it sounds like part of the key is, is letting other people know what you need. Yes. And being clear about what you need and not... Um, not just suffering in silence, which yes. is things I tend to do more than I should sometimes. Do you? Yeah, I mean, I I don't explain to people, you know, like I know just back in February I missed the drama rehearsal because I was in the hospital and it was kind of weird to explain because they'd seen me on Tuesday that, you know, just a couple of days before and I looked mostly fine. Mm-hmm. You may be a little under the weather, but, I mean, all in all, pretty good. And so, you know, to see me, you know, to hear that I'm in the hospital the next night, mm-hmm. it's just kind of, I don't know. I don't think they really, I mean, most people didn't really understand it at all because they don't even, they've never heard of the term mitochondrial disease. Right. from my mouth. So. And most, most kids and teenagers who do get sick, don't end up in the hospital because of yeah. getting sick. They, but they they just get sick and get better. Right. It's different yeah. with that. So not suffering in silence and kind of communicating what you need, making sure you get enough rest, drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. I hear and that I'll a lot from kids. Um, that fluids seem to be really important. Yeah, to definitely stay hydrated and get get sleep. I know they talk about. Oh, you're a teenager, and you definitely need sleep, and yet somehow in the teenage years, that's when you get the less sleep, but you mm-hmm. really do need to try and get sleep, because I know I definitely makes a difference for me. That's you good. Know, if I only sleep, you know, whether because the time I get to bed and have to get up, or because I just can't sleep well during the night, if I get not enough, you know, obviously not enough sleep, then I am definitely, you know, and it happens over and over for a couple of nights then by that fourth or fifth day, I'm definitely more tired than I would be if just from not sleeping well or from not getting enough sleep okay. than from any specific, oh, I spent too much energy yesterday. It's just that I didn't get enough sleep. Have you found it more helpful being homeschooled to being able to sort of plan your rest time or downtime? I have, you know, we don't get up at 6 o'clock, you know, and part of that is just our family schedule, but we don't get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and start schoolwork at 6.30 type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, we get up at maybe like, you know, between 8 or 9 and get up and do schoolwork then. And, you know, on those sick days, you know, I've been known to bring my biology book to the day surgery. Oh. <laughs> and they just kind of look at me funny, but I don't even mind it. Um, and you're just, just working around, you know, if, as long as you're feeling good, do the schoolwork, and then maybe on those days where you're feeling pretty good, especially if you had a, you know, if you were sick last week, and you didn't get enough schoolwork done then because you were sick. Right. Then doing extra the next week to catch up for that, mm-hmm. rather than just saying, oh, I missed it, I'm behind now, oh well. Okay. You sound um, motivated. And, and determined and, and working with your schedule to try to sort out and be able to do the things that are important to you. Do you have dreams of what you want to do when you grow up yet? I'm still trying to 
figure out, you know, what sort of career I want. Mm-hmm. I've currently the I'm definitely thinking a lot about being a nurse. Okay. Of some kind. Or at least something in the medical profession. Mm-hmm. Right now my dream is you know, just to graduate high school and graduate college and you know, have a job of some kind, even though I don't know exactly what it'll be yet. Right. And just and you know, just you know, if I meet the right guy, getting married and mm-hmm. having a family. Mm-hmm. Um, just living a regular life, right? Yeah, just living a regular That's life. That's what I hear. You know, sleep in God and living life to fullest potential, not just lying on the couch. Oh, I've got motto. You know, I can't. You know, if I move, I might get, I might, you know, I'll hurt more, I'll get tired. You know, not just, I don't want to spend the rest of my life on the couch uh-huh. doing bad about myself. So you keep pushing yourself, but you find a balance to make it work so that you yeah. don't hurt yourself. Because definitely in the past few years, that's something I've been playing with, you know, what is, what is too much, but at the same time, you know, you don't want too little because they always say, you know, if you don't, use it, you lose it. And I talk about that not just with Mido, but with everybody. And yes, the same is true for people with Mido, but you know, for people with Mido, it's also if you use it too much, you lose it. So trying, you know, because you know, the breakdown of the muscles, and you know when people can build it back up, but yeah, at least with my muscles, I can't as well, as nearly as well as other people do, so... So you have to work to try to find that middle point, that middle ground. Yeah, you know, with, you know, just the daily exercise, a general exercise program, and it's definitely more gentle than most people would think aerobics would be, but it works for me, so. That's great. If you, one of the things that I want to ask um, all of the teenagers that I am interviewing is if there's anything that, um, they've learned. So is, is there anything that you have learned that you wished you could have known earlier or in a sense what would be helpful for somebody who's newly diagnosed to hear a teenager or to learn from your experience? I'd say one of the I'd say there's two things that you should I mean one just to pay attention at those doctors appointments and you know ask your parents, you know, so what does this diagnosis mean exactly and you know, if the doctors are prescribing a new medicine, or ask what does it do, and even if the questions sound really stupid to you, go ahead and ask them. Don't be afraid and think, oh, you know, I'm actually kind of curious, you know, what is that going to do to me, but I don't want to, like, sound like a baby and ask this really obvious question that all the other adults know the obvious answer to. You know, just go ahead and ask, because I think it's important to know what you're dealing with, Mm-hmm. and to know a little bit more about mitochondrial disease than, oh, it's like this energy thing with muscles, and yeah, that's what it is. You know, just know what it is, and you, know, you don't necessarily need to become a Ph.D. and know, <laughs> oh, well, mitochondrial disease is when the, your, your complexes don't work. Here's All right. exactly how they don't work. Just know more how it affects you and what it is and what you can do to work around it. So becoming um, knowledgeable in your own illness and also in the medicines and the, you know, medical interventions. 
And I imagine that that sort of paves the way to becoming um, an advocate for yourself as you get older. Yeah, and also just to, you know, you can't advocate if you feel depressed all the time. And just even if you don't plan on being any sort of advocate for Mido, you know, other than just living day-to-day life, mm-hmm. don't, I mean, just remind yourself that no matter how bad it is, there's always somebody, always somebody out there who's got it a lot worse off than you do. Mm-hmm. And so don't be depressed. Yes, everybody has their bad days, and I've certainly had mine, you know, please perfect, but just remind yourself that you know, nothing, I mean, it could be a lot worse, and you don't, you should be thankful for what you do have, you know. Mm-hmm. I've got the ability to walk up, you know, walk around, go get myself a glass of water and drink it without choking, or at least mm-hmm. at the stage mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. So just to keep in mind that no matter how bad it is, there's always somebody worse out than you, so you, you don't have really a reason to be depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the age-old question, why me? And the oh, answer yeah. is, well, why not me? Mm. You know, because you really, yes, it's certainly extremely hard, and it seems like you can't go on, and, you know, why should I? Nobody cares. Nobody understands. But that's definitely something, I mean, yes, it's bad, but it could be worse. So do what you can with what your body can do. Has that helped in meeting other kids with muscular issues? Yeah. Seeing the variety? Yeah, because I know when I went to, you know, I told you I went to the camp for Muscular Dystrophy Uh Association, and it's ages 6 to 21, and all the campers there have muscular dystrophy of some kind. And I started going when I was about 10 or 11 years old, I think. And since, and I've been going every year since then, and I'm planning to go in July this year as well. And one of the things that's kind of a perspective changer for me is, you know, I go around day-to-day life, and in my drama club and with my peers, I'm kind of the weaker, weaker one. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I don't look at, you know, you just kind of feel, oh, you know, I can't, you know, go run and have a running race across you know, around the building like those other like my other classmates. Yeah. But yeah. I can still you know, at least I can still, you know, walk around the building or whatever. But then to go to camp and see that I'm really one of the strongest people there and the fact that, you know, I can I can get up, I can take my shower, I can brush my teeth and dry my hair without mm-hmm. needing help. You know, I can I mean, there's this really, you don't realize how good you have it till you see people who have it worse off than you do. Okay. I mean, I know some girls who are, I mean, sweet, sweet people and really fun to be around. And, I mean, they can't barely clap their hands, but they've got wow. great personalities. And to see, to see how happy they are, you know, even if they're not happy all the time, but to see how, I mean, yes, you can be a fun-to-be-around person and everything, and 
still have, you know, you might not barely be able to move your lips. Mm-hmm. But just to be happy and have a good outlook on things. And then to look at yourself and realize, you know, I can do all these things, and yet here I am feeling bad because I can't be on the soccer team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you really, you know, they can't even. It you know, sounds, it sounds like it gives you some perspective. Yeah, definitely a perspective change. And it also kind of maybe helps you see, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but sort of what's important in people. Yeah, it's, that it's not not necessarily about being on the soccer team or being able to, but it's about people's kind of the joy and connection that they can bring to other people. Yeah, it's definitely more, you know, and they always say, you know, you know, pay attention to more how the person acts than how they look or, you know, necessarily what sports they're in or anything or if they're in the same advanced math class or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, and that really is true. The personalities are really what you're going to like about a person or not like about a person. It's not so much, oh, yeah, Austin's a great, you know, Austin's a great soccer player or, you know, he's the best, he's the quarterback on the football team as Austin's got a great personality. And actually when I'm thinking about this Austin that I know, he's he's a funny person. I mean, he's hysterical. He's definitely got a lot of wit and he's really fun to be around but he's in a wheelchair and he can't I mean he can't move. Wow. But he's he's definitely a real fun person to be around and just one of the things that I get amazed by when I talk to um the teenagers living with Mido is the perspective that that I find that you all have sometimes on life that's different than other teenagers. Mhm. Um almost in some perspective, I guess having a perspective that's more mature, being able to see kind of what is important. Yeah, and I think it's just one of those things that, you know, sometimes a natural disaster might, you know, tear apart your house, and so then you get a outlook, you know, a different outlook on things, obviously. But just, and because it's so sudden, I think people equate those with the big perspective changers. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that's what tells you what's really important is, you know, if somebody breaks in and sets fire to your house. Mm-hmm. But really, and yes, those certain things definitely do and would change your perspective most likely. But also just having some sort of physical condition that you have to live with every day, even if people don't see it, you know, just knowing that people, it's definitely more important to be a good person and to, you know, to talk to people and everything than to just be, you know, there's more to life than just being the quarterback of the football team or being mm-hmm. a cheerleader. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Um, is there anything else that you're thinking that you would like to make sure other people before we stop, no, or anything else you want to share? I guess, I mean, I know that, I mean, as far as coping goes, you know, yeah, there's a whole, everybody's got it worse off than you do, but I know, for me, my, I mean, how I end up dealing with my day-to-day life is, 
through my Lord, Je- Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, he's definitely helped mm-hmm. me, and it's there's a verse, and it doesn't really make much sense until it actually happens to you. But in my weakness, he's he is strong, and de- Jesus has definitely meant a lot to me in my life, and. I don't think I'll be nearly as optimistic and happy as I am mm-hmm. on my good days if it weren't for him. Mm-hmm. So you found mm-hmm. that to be a comfort and a solace for you? Yes. He's definitely the comforter and definitely stronger than I will ever be, even if I, you know, even if my body was stronger. Well, I am so glad that you spent the time talking with me today. And um, thank you, and I appreciate everything. And, oh, I always wanted to ask also, is it okay if this is shared with um, what we're going to do is we've taped it and put it as a podcast on the computer so it's shared with other people? Okay. Is that okay with you? Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Take care, and thank you again so much. Bye-bye. Bye.